Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Dogs Podcast with your hosts, Blake Rineker, Justin Charles, John Nye, and Josh All. What's up, Browns fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Podcast presented by Omaha Steaks. I'm Josh All Alone coming to you guys on a Wednesday morning. Okay, so we've had a couple days, or at least one full day now to kind of sober up, regroup a little bit, calm down after that Monday night football debacle against the Steelers where the Browns... Honestly, like we talked about on the live uh, post-game reaction show, the offense just absolutely pooped the bed, and um, it just just was not good. was not a pretty game. I've got today on the show, we're doing the PFF in-depth analysis of the stats from the game to kind of look at the deeper story about what happened, and I'll just tell you guys up front, there's definitely some bad news in here. There's definitely some bad news in the stats, but There's a lot of good news. There's a lot of positive news and not to give too much away about where I'm going with everything that I I looked into from the game, but I do believe the positives outweigh the negatives. I think that the positive positive stories and stats and, and things to take away from this game show that the season is still wide open for the Browns. It's not over. I know you know, we were very down after the game. It's not like we were screaming or crying out that the, the season was over or anything, but I have seen a lot of a lot of that online. I've heard a lot of Browns fans, oh, well, you know, just another year. Let's pump the brakes on that. Let's give these guys a chance. I mean, this is the NFL. We knew that the Browns aren't going 17-0. and Nobody is. We have already seen some pretty bad games from other supposed great offenses. You saw the Bills in week one have tons of turnovers and look putrid. I mean, it's going to happen. Okay, it's going to happen. I know it's disappointing. I know it's disheartening. But let's not lose hope. Let's not lose faith. Let's stick with it and see what we do this Sunday against Tennessee. So before I dive into the in-depth stats from the Steelers game, just want to remind you guys, check us out on uh, all our socials, uh, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And I guess we're still on threads. Not doing a whole lot over there, though. But hey, if you're there, we're there, too. And then if you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. It's free. doesn't cost you anything. And then just click the notification bell to make sure you never miss a new upload because we're coming with new content more and more. And as the season rolls on, we're just going to keep doing more things to bring you guys as much, you know, as, as many updates as possible. So like the video, leave a comment. We're going to be talking stats here. So I'm going to give you my interpretation of the stats, but... That's just my interpretation of some of this stuff. Give me your takeaways. Let me know your feelings, your thoughts, your feedback on everything that I talk about on the show today. So actually, before I dive into all the stats, I do have a couple voicemails I want to play from you guys. 
Appreciate you sending them in. And if you want to get your voicemail, your thoughts heard on the show, you want our reactions, go to thedogspodcast.com. Just tap leave voicemail in the drop down menu or in the top menu if you're on your computer. You just record a voicemail. You can listen to it back. If you don't like the way it sounds, you don't like what you said, just erase it and start over. Uh, you can record as many times as you want until you get the version you want. Send it to us. We'll play it. We'll react. And uh, yeah, here we go. We'll kick it off with Brad. What's up, Browns fans? Uh, this is Brad Mundbeaker. Uh, can we have a moment of silence for our boy, Nick Chubb, losing him for the season? I'm still crying in my shower. What in the actual heck was that trash we put on the field tonight? I mean, Deshaun Watson looked terrible. The O-line looked terrible. And, like, even when Nick Chubb was in there, yeah, we were breaking off runs, but the offense still, like, passing-wise, was not looking great. Yeah, we need to get rid of Jed Wills. He's terrible. He's awful. And Harrison Bryant. Both send them packing. Both terrible. Thanks for the voicemail, Brad. As always, yeah, the loss of Nick Chubb. We'll get into that a little bit here in this show. Huge for the Browns. Just an absolute devastating loss. I mean, he's he's easily the best running back in the NFL. Best player on our team, and he's gone. Week two early in the season here and we're going to be without him he's one of the absolute greatest leaders on this team and we're gonna have to find a way to make things work without him um there have been as as of this recording on wednesday morning by the time you guys are watching this i don't know maybe the browns have already signed a running back or traded for one but the browns have come out and said that jerome ford will be the featured back he'll be the main guy the, the Browns had a meeting yesterday. They brought in Kareem Hunt for a visit to maybe reunite with the team. They have spoken with the Los Angeles Rams about Cam Akers and a possible trade. Uh, some of the other speculative trades, I don't... I know that there's been some speculation, obviously, about a guy like Jonathan Taylor. I would not expect Jonathan Taylor to be even on the Browns' radar considering the cost, the draft capital, assets, you know, player, draft, whatever that the Browns would have to pay to the Colts to bring in a guy like Jonathan Taylor because the Colts do have a high asking price based on all the reports. I just don't see Andrew Barry being willing to do that because if you trade for a guy like Jonathan Taylor, you don't trade those assets to bring a guy in if you're not going to then extend him. And I do not see the Browns extending Jonathan Taylor, especially he's been injured. You know, He had injuries last year, injuries to start out this year. That whole scenario... I don't think the Browns want anything to do with it. I'm not sure I want anything to do with it. So I wouldn't be talking about Jonathan Taylor. So like I said, there's been Kareem Hunt new, or rumors. Well, not really rumors. I mean, reports. There have been Cam Akers reports. There's been speculation about a Rashad Penny trade from the Eagles. So there's guys out there. Um, like I said, by the time you're watching this, maybe we've done something. But either way, Jerome Ford is the guy. We talked about Jerome Ford in the offseason. We're excited about Jerome Ford. And now he gets his opportunity to prove himself at the NFL level as a featured back in an NFL offense. But Brad mentioned the offensive line. So let's let's kind of talk about the offensive line. Let's talk about, well, let's do this. I am going to talk about the offensive line in a little bit, but let's address Jed Will specifically. Brad mentioned Jed Will sucks. He needs to go. Well, you know what? He does suck. He sucks real bad. So in the Steelers game, Jed Wills gave up. Let's see, and again, I'm looking over here at my screen with all the stats, so that's that's why I'm looking off to the side here. But Jed Wills gave up five pressures on 49 opportunities. He gave up four hurries and a sack. 
and his pass blocking efficiency was a 93.9. So 94%. And I know, hey, you know, 94%, that doesn't sound too bad. When we're looking at these offensive lineman grades, 100% is the best you can do, obviously. And 100% means you had a really good game. So anything lower than 100% means you gave something up. So that's the the thing here. So if you if you want a comparison on this, um, let's look at like a guy like Joel Petonio. Joel Petonio gave up just two pressures on those 49 opportunities. He was at a 98%. We had no offensive lineman at 100 for this game. So that's obviously why it felt like Deshaun Watson was under duress a lot in the backfield because he was. We had Betonio giving up two pressures. We had DeWan Jones gave up five pressures, four hurries a hit. On the quarterback, Ethan Posick only gave up one pressure, so he was at a 99%. So he had himself a pretty decent game pass blocking-wise. Jed Wills, like I said, uh, the five pressures, and then Wyatt Teller gave up four pressures, a hurry, two hits, and a sack. So overall, not great. It was not a great night for the offensive line. And... um, well, we'll, we'll, I'll dive into the offensive line after this next voicemail, but let's listen to what Phil has to say. Hey, guys, it's Phil. So I've had some uh, time to reflect on what we witnessed tonight. Losing Nick Chubb is gut-wrenching. It's potentially season-ending type of loss. Defense only gave up 12 points. They did their job. Where the hell was the offense? Deshaun Watson looked like garbage. We pay him $230 million multiple chances to go win that game and they blew it. Special teams I mean, kicker missed a field goal, but he made a 55 yarder. He did his job. DPJ I don't know what the hell he was doing all night. I don't know where we go from here. It's going to be a long season if the offense keeps playing like this. The factory of sadness lives on. <laughs> okay, thanks Bill. We appreciate the voicemail. Um, factory of sadness yeah, I know man. It's It is tough. It is really tough. If you watch around the league, though, we have to recognize that the Browns are not the only team that loses a game on a on a given week. Half the league is going to lose their games each week. So we're not alone. It's not like the Browns are the absolute worst team in the league. Like I said, there are a lot of positives to take away from this game. The defense overall, and we'll all dive into the stats here, but the defense was sweet again. This is a great trend to see. This is two weeks in a row, but... I guess where I want to start, we'll head back to the offensive line, where we left off. Overall, um, I, I had 27 opportunities, uh, pass rush opportunities from the Steelers in this uh, document of mine. Overall, the offensive line allowed 14 pressures on 27 opportunities. So when Pittsburgh brought pressure, our line failed 52% of the time. That's not good. That is not good at all. And to give you guys an idea of just I posted this on Twitter this morning, so I don't know if you've seen it or not. Go check it out if you haven't. Um, it, I said if it seems like the Browns' offensive line is struggling through the first two weeks of the season, here's why it seems that way. So, uh, among offensive linemen with 30-plus snaps but you know, in the, in the two games, so basically you're starting linemen throughout the league. Jed Wills, let's, let's do the run blocking grades first. So here's your run blockers. Jed Wills, left tackle. 38.7 PFF grade. That is 54th out of 57 tackles. Let's go over to your right tackle, Dewan Jones. 
33.1. That's 56 of 57 tackles. So our two tackles right now are in the bottom four in the entire league in run blocking. That's pathetic. That's awful. That's just, that is terrible. Our guards, Betonio, run blocking 60.8, 27th of 58. So he's middle of the pack. Wyatt Teller, 8th of 58. So Wyatt Teller is actually top 10. Wyatt Teller's still doing a great job run blocking. Ethan Posick, he is number 7 out of 31 eligible centers. So Posick and Teller holding their own, doing a good job with the run blocking. Everybody else needs to kick it into gear. I mean, Betonio's doing okay. You know, he's, I guess you would say average, but our tackles are absolutely piss poor. Pass blocking grades. Jed Wills, 57.9. That is 50 out of 70. Dewan Jones is actually at a 71.4, so he's 32nd overall out of 70. Betonio, 78.7. He is seventh, the seventh highest graded guard out of 68 eligible. So, Pass blocking, Betonio is getting it done where he's about average on the run. Wyatt Teller, he's 68.3. That's 23rd out of 68, so not bad. And then Ethan Posick is 64.2. That's 16th out of 33, so about middle of the pack. So it doesn't seem like our offensive line is like killing us in terms of pass blocking overall but they're certainly not performing the way they should be. We no longer have a, a top offensive line in the NFL. That, that is the, the situation here. Overall, the Browns are ranked 11th at the moment in pass blocking, but just 24th in run blocking. And here was the key takeaway for me from all these numbers. For the last however many years, three, four years, the Cleveland Browns have been a, a run-first football team a run-first offense. Our offensive identity has been the run, has been Nick Chubb, has been we come at you, we overpower you, and we, we just punch you in the mouth with our run game. Nick Chubb is gone. We lost Nick Chubb, and our offensive line is sucking at run blocking right now. That's why our offense looks so freaking lost on the football field right now, because we have actually lost our identity. Our identity doesn't exist anymore. We don't know what it is. We heard all offseason. And this, you know, we talked about this going into the season. We were excited for the reports that the Browns were going to open up the offense. It was going to be more focused on the pass, more surrounding Deshaun Watson with playmakers and all this stuff. And that's exciting. When you're an NFL fan nowadays, like the way the NFL runs, that's exciting news. But when you can't execute it properly... And so far through two games, the Browns are not executing their offense efficiently whatsoever. It looks bad, and it feels bad, and you walk away saying, what in the world was that? So the Browns have got to get this identity crisis figured out. The run game has been such a vital piece to this offensive identity in the past years, and with the way the offensive line is performing, losing Nick Chubb, not, I mean, yes, Jerome Ford is a, is a good young running back, but we still don't know what he can do as the feature back if he can shoulder a full season workload or any of that stuff. This offense has got to establish a new identity. The identity it was aiming for in the preseason and in the offseason, the identity it was building, the problem is we're not there yet. We have not established that identity. We don't even look like we have the first idea of how to establish that identity. Kevin Stefanski's got to get this figured out. 
Now, like I said, it's only week two. It's early in the season. We got a lot of football left. There's still a lot of hope for the season. I mean, nothing's lost. It's We're one and one. So are a lot of teams. I mean, nobody's going 17 and 0. We're fine. But there also needs to be a sense of urgency on Kevin, on this offense, on Deshaun Watson. You got to get this figured out. You got to get the offense clicking. And it starts Sunday with Tennessee because Tennessee's got, I believe, they might have the 32nd ranked pass defense in the NFL. If it's not 32nd, it's like bottom three. So the Browns should be able to exploit Tennessee through the through the air, through passing. Tennessee uh, excels at shutting down the run. So this is the perfect game. This is the perfect get-right game for the Browns passing offense. If Tennessee wants to shut down our run, but they're they're – bottom three, maybe even last in the league against the pass, and you want to be a pass, you know, a pass first, a, you know, a, a explosive offense, this is the game to kick it in. So Kevin's got to if this this game Sunday will show a lot about the Browns, about Deshaun Watson, about how Kevin Stefanski can run this offense because any every offense we've seen Kevin have so far has been focused on the run. So this is the first time he's going to even try to focus on the pass first. And, you know, this is like his audition to show that he can do that. Okay, I know I rambled a lot there, so I'm going to stop, move on to more stats from PFF. But before I do, Browns fans, here in Ohio, Caesar Sportsbook is running a new sign-up offer that you won't want to miss. New customers can get their first bet on Caesars up to $1,000 by using our code DOGS1000 during sign-up. That's right, your first bet with Caesars is completely covered. So if you haven't joined Caesar Sportsbook yet, now is the perfect time to make the move. Just remember to enter our code DOGS1000. That's D-A-W-G-S-1-0-0-0, all one word. During sign-up, place that first bet. That's DOGS1000. This offer is only available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in Ohio. Please gamble responsibly. If you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you can qualify. So let's talk about the run game since I just mentioned a whole lot of, you know, pass game, run game stuff. If you take away the 69-yard run from Jerome Ford, that was a great, you know, he bounced off. He honestly should have been tackled for a loss. Bounced off, cut it back, got a nice lead block from Deshaun Watson, took it down the sideline, just about housed it, and came up just short of the goal line. You take away that 69-yard run, uh, which, like I put in the document here, that run had nothing to do with the offensive line block. He should have been tackled for a loss. Um, Ford had just 37 yards on 15 carries. That was 2.46 yards a carry. That's awful. That is not going to get it done for this for this offense. Nick Chubb, when he was in the game, they gave him an elusive rating of 200. To compare, Ford's elusive rating was just 73. So while I did say I think that Ford can be a good serviceable running back, he's not Nick Chubb. He is not Nick Chubb. And you couple that with our just awful run blocking right now for our offensive line, and it just goes back to the identity crisis that I talked about earlier. So run direction, I talked about this last week against the Bengals. Again, we predominantly ran the ball to the left side of the line. When we ran the ball to the left side, now here are the numbers. We ran it 14 times for 135 yards, 9.6 yards a carry, but that is skewed. That includes that 69-yard run that honestly wasn't even directed to the left side. It was They were running to the right. So if you take that away, which we need to, uh, running to the left side of the line, the Browns were 13 
carries for 66 yards. That's five yards a carry, so it was still good. Running to the left side of the line seems to be the strength of the offense right now. When they run to the right side, they ran it just eight times for just 19 yards, 2.4 a carry. And when they ran it up the middle, 10 for 22, 2.2 yards a carry. So that those numbers right there show 2.4 yards, 2.2 yards. The Browns cannot run the ball right now. The only reason that we were doing anything on the ground against the Steelers was because Nick Chubb, his elusiveness, he was able to slip through tacklers and do all that kind of stuff on his own. The line was not really helping him out. And you saw that when Jerome Ford came in because he doesn't have the abilities right now that Nick Chubb, I mean, Nick Chubb is an elite level running back. So, you know, when you're just a running back in the NFL, you're not going to be able to do the things that Chubb can do. And the line is killing us right now. So that definitely needs to get rectified quickly. All right, so let's move on. Some more bad news for the offense, and I'm not telling you guys anything you didn't see with your eyeballs. Deshaun Watson, completion percentage against the Steelers, 55%. His adjusted completion percentage was just 65%. And that's something I talked a lot about in the offseason was don't look at the completion percentage alone. Look at that compared to the adjusted because, like in Houston, his completion percentage for his career was right around 75%, adjusted completion percentage. And even last season, I believe it was around 73% with the Browns. So I was very encouraged to see that his adjusted completion percentage in Cleveland in those six games last year was very close to what he was in Houston. And and that was encouraging to me. But right now through two games, he's at 65. He's 10%, 10 point percentage points lower than his career average. That is concerning. He has two interceptions in two games and both of those interceptions were not really on him they were not it wasn't like they were poor decisions and just bad throws into traffic or anything like that the first one in week one was tipped and then you know Monday against the Steelers that was really a Harrison Bryant interception so not on Deshaun Um, he had 235 yards in the game just six yards per attempt that's pretty low Uh, the wide receivers had two drops in this game Deshaun's A dot, his average depth of target, was actually 10.2, and that was the sixth highest in week two among quarterbacks. So that's pretty good. That was a good stat to see. His turnover worthy plays was actually just 3.8%. That was among the lowest of all the quarterbacks in week two. So that's encouraging right there. Um, to give you context on that, Desmond Ritter for the Atlanta Falcons was 9.5% turnover worthy plays. That was the highest on week two, and Anthony Richardson for the Colts was 9.1. So this number tells me, you know, the 3.8% turnover-worthy plays for Deshaun Watson tells me that while Deshaun Watson, you see it on the field, we were just we just wanted him to make a play. Go out there and win the game for us. This is, this is why we brought you in to win these types of games. It didn't happen. He did not get the job done as far as that's concerned. But this number here shows he's not putting us in turnover situations. And I know, I know we had an interception. I know he fumbled the ball and both of those plays led to defensive scores for the Steelers. But as PFF is showing with their stat here, those those turnovers are not attributed to Deshaun Watson. Like I said, the interception was Harrison Bryant's fault, not Deshaun Watson. So that doesn't, that's not a turnover for Watson. It's not a worthy, turnover worthy play for him. And the fumble was 100% on Jed Wills. I know a lot of people are saying that Deshaun should have audibled out of that play and, and he should have recognized the defensive pressure. 
listen, if you go and you watch the highlight, go to our Twitter page. It's on there. It's been shared a ton. The defender, well, first of all, it's play action. Deshaun Watson runs the play action. And as he's turning off of the play action, he doesn't even get his feet set and he's hit. The ball's knocked out of his hand. So I, I don't think it's really fair to say he should have recognized the pressure and changed the play because maybe it was a quick play action, you know, play. Maybe it was going to be a play action screen. I don't know what the play was going to be, but it doesn't matter. We'll never get to find out because as soon as the play was snapped, Wills was beat. Jed didn't even, I don't know, even know if he touched his man. The guy ran right around him and hit Deshaun immediately, forcing that fumble. So, again, we can, you know, if you want to blame Deshaun, go ahead. But PFF is not blaming Deshaun for that. Actually, we've only put him, like I said, at 3.8% turnover-worthy plays. And I think it was like, I know I put in here, he was among the lowest of quarterbacks in week two. He might have been top three. Either way, it was very, very low. And that's encouraging. That's encouraging for me to see. So the percentage of pressures that turned into sacks was 30%. That was the eighth highest on the week. So that ain't good. That ain't good. And, you know, the sacks, I'll blame the sacks on the offensive line and on Deshaun Watson. He does hold the ball too long. His average time to throw on dropbacks was 3.09 seconds. That was the sixth highest on the week. That number is contributing to the sacks. Again, that is something we knew about Deshaun Watson from his time in Houston. He does hold on to the ball longer than other quarterbacks, longer than he should. That seems to be one problem of his. I don't know if that's going to get fi- get fixed. Guys, I, I don't know if that's going to change. That seems to be his game. That seems to be the way he, he plays football. And, you know, if, if that's how it is, that's how it is. But the offensive line's got... We got to get this figured out. Between Watson... Kevin, the line, we got to get this figured out. And it's got to get figured out this week coming into the Titans game. So here's another piece of positive news, though, for Deshaun Watson. He did pick up 14 first downs in the game. That was sixth highest among quarterbacks in week two. When Deshaun Watson was kept clean in the pocket, he was 17 of 27 for 63% completion and 167 yards and a touchdown. When Deshaun Watson was under pressure, he was just 5 of 13 for 38.5% completion and just 68 yards. So this is another interesting stat here. When Deshaun Watson ran play action, he was just two of five. So they only ran play action five times. He completed two passes. That's 40% completion, 52 yards. In week one, and I talked about this, he, they ran play action 14 times. He was 10 of 14 for 117 yards and a touchdown in week one. Why did we stop? Why did we stop running play action? Was it because Nick Chubb got hurt? Was it because the threat of our run game was not what it was in week one? This number kind of baffled me because I I talked about this quite a bit last week, how when Deshaun Watson runs play action, he's very effective. 10 of 14 for 117 and a touchdown. I was like, man, just run play action all the time. This this is where he's excelling. Against the Steelers, you're in it just five times? You only completed two pat. Just It just blows my mind the difference between the two weeks. And again, that could be due to the Nick Chubb injury, but man, this they just got to get this figured out because he was doing really well with the play action in week one. Uh, let's see, Deshaun was just one of five on his deep balls against the Steelers. He sucked there just like he did in week one. Um, medium range passes, he was five of 10. 
you know, 50%, whatever. It's not great. 14 of 20 on short. So, so far, that's that's been consistent. He's been pretty effective with their short passes. Mediums are about 50%, and then deep balls are, there's nothing there. So, through two weeks, we've got ourselves a very effective short yardage quarterback. Now, this is just two weeks. It's just been two weeks. The offense is still trying to get its footing. We know the offense is going to take a little bit longer to, you know, get into gear than the defense and all that kind of stuff. But we can't wait too long. We cannot wait until week four or after the bye or, you know, midway through the season for this offense to start clicking. It starts Sunday with Tennessee. Again, I, I'm gonna we're going to mention it on the preview show. I'm going to mention it constantly here. Tennessee's pass defense is the worst in the league, and it's the perfect game for the Browns to figure out their passing game. This episode is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Browns fans, that was a tough loss on Monday Night Football, but don't let it ruin your appetite. Fall is in the air, and that means we're looking forward to these crisp mornings, the falling leaves, sweater weather, all that stuff. But most importantly, this is the perfect time for fall grilling tailgating, and all that cozy comfort food. And Omaha Steaks has all your fall cravings covered with 50% off site-wide during their semi-annual sale. Now, stats are all a matter of perspective. Like 50% is pretty bad when it's Deshaun Watson's completion percentage, but when you get 50% off all your favorite tender, juicy, extra-aged steaks like Omaha Steaks Butcher's Cut Filet Mignons, that's the kind of 50% I like. Go to omahasteaks.com today, use promo code DOGS, D-A-W-G-S, when you check out and get an extra $30 off your order. So you're getting 50% off site-wide plus an extra $30 off your order with our code DOGS. We have quite a few people already in our Patreon group and Discord who we've already turned on to Omaha Steaks, and they will attest to just how great all the food is. Everything Omaha Steaks has to offer is absolutely phenomenal. And like I said, right now, you get 50% off site-wide plus $30 extra off your order when you use code DOGS, D-A-W-G-S, when you check out. That's omahasteaks.com. Minimum purchase may apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Okay, so while you guys are ordering your Omaha steaks with our code DOGS, I'm going to talk about the defense and... Honestly, I don't I don't know if I really have any negative stuff in here about our defense, but here here we go. Aside from George Pickens, and that included the 71-yard broken play and again that play sucked, but we were a split second away from I mean we buried Kenny Pickett on that play anyway, but we were a split second from burying him with the ball. He's lucky he got it out and it was just a broken play. Pickens took it all the way for 71 yards. But if you take that play away, the rest of the night, the Browns' corners allowed just three catches for 26 yards. All game. Just three catches for 26 yards outside of that one, or outside of George Pickens. Martin Emerson is an absolute stud. Oh my gosh. Zero receptions for zero yards on the night. Martin Emerson 
and we talked about this by the end of the season we were, I mean I might already be saying it. he might be the best cornerback on this team I'm sorry Denzel Ward we love you go Bucks OHIO but man Martin Emerson is an absolute stud speaking of Denzel Ward outside of George Pickens just one reception for 10 yards on the night Greg Newsom, just two receptions for 16 yards on the night Juan Thornhill gave up three catches for 32 yards. I'll take that any week. Are you kidding me? That's great stuff. Like, our secondary is rocking. Rodney McLeod, zero catches for zero yards. They, our secondary is rock solid, and it's it's great to see. Praying nobody gets injured, praying the injuries that we saw the other night aren't anything long-lasting. Most of their receiving yards, the Steelers, came on their little screens and dump-offs to uh, Jalen Warren. And he was running against our linebackers, and it's just because he was so much faster than our linebackers, he picked up quite a bit. I mean, most of their passing yards outside of George Pickens came from those little dump-offs to Jalen Warren. So I am not worried about the Browns' secondary or their coverage, not even in the slightest. We, we look very good. So if you look at the other side of the ball, the Pittsburgh Steelers, we our wide receivers bested their cornerbacks for 11 catches for 131 yards. So our corners outside of George Pickens, take that crap away, gave up just three for 26. Their corners, 11 for 131. Levi Wallace gave up five for 56. Patrick Peterson was two for for 46. And Sullivan was four for 29. The Pittsburgh Steelers at halftime had just one rushing yard total on the night. That, That was... Man, you want to talk about a complete and absolute turnaround from last season? It's our run defense, and it's awesome. The Steelers finished with just 55 rushing yards on 21 attempts, 2.6 yards a carry. Give me that all year. Give me that every single game. The Browns' defense generated 19 pressures in the game, 10 hurries, 6 hits on the quarterback, 3 sacks. Now, Pickett was only sacked twice. I'm pulling these stats from PFF. They don't do half sacks on PFF. This is what I figured out. Because Shelby Harris and Reese Hurst combined for a sack. So they should have had half a sack. PFF credit each of them with one. So overall, we had three sacks list on PFF. It was just two. So if, if the numbers aren't lining up, that's why. Um, let's talk about win rate on the pass rush because this is something that I've seen online. This is something we even talked about you know, the Miles Garrett, TJ Watt comparison. Anytime these two go against each other, they're both highlighted constantly on the broadcast. So let's just look at the numbers. Miles Garrett's pass rush win rate was 40%. So when Miles Garrett was in a pass rush, he won against his offensive lineman 40% of the time. Now we need context. The next highest on the team was Darius Smith with 23%. So I want you to remember these numbers real quick before I tell you about T.J. Watt. Miles Garrett was 40% win rate. Zadarius Smith was a 23% win rate. You know what T.J. Watt was? 12.8. Think about those numbers. T.J. Watt had a 12.8% win rate, and it feels like he dominated the game. Miles Garrett had a 40% win rate and Zadarius Smith had 23. So let's look at TJ Watt. Seven pressures, three hurries, three hits, one sack. Like I said, a 12.8 win rate on the pass rush. Now, Miles Garrett, three pressures, so four fewer, two hurries, one fewer, one hit, 
two fewer, no sacks. That's disappointing. But his win rate on the pass rush was 40%. So while Miles Garrett is not filling up the stat sheet with sacks and tackles for loss and, you know, hits on the quarterback and all that stuff like we were hoping he would be, we have got to remember that Kenny Pickett, just like um, Joe Burrow in week one, you're getting rid of the ball fast. They're doing what Deshaun Watson won't do is when the defense is bringing pressure, get it out quick to your playmakers and just hope they can make something happen. Quit trying to make the big play down the field every single time because you're getting hit, you're getting sacked, you're not completing your passes. I mean, Kenny Pickett was getting rid of the ball. Uh, let's see, his time to throw was 2.76 on average for the night. Like I said, Watson was 3.09. Um, Pickett, pressures turned into sacks was just 14.3 and that is due due to him getting the ball out quick whereas Watson was 30% pressures to sacks so again holding the ball too long for Deshaun Watson Kenny Pickett getting rid of the ball quick that's the difference there that's why Miles Garrett's not filling up the stat sheet against Pittsburgh the way that TJ Watt is but if you look at that win rate I will take the 40% pass rush win rate from Miles Garrett over TJ Watt's 12.8 those are the numbers that you need to take away from this. Those are the numbers that you can hang your hat on because even though, like I said, Miles isn't hitting home every play, man, 40% pass rush win rate, somebody's going to be getting home. And that's why our secondary is doing so well. Also, because Kenny Pickett getting the ball out quick, he's not going downfield. Little dump off passes, short passes. It just makes it easy for everybody. And that's why our defense is so effective. Now, here's a cool stat. Shelby Harris had the seventh highest run stop percentage in the entire league in week two, 28.6% run stop percentage. He played 21 run defense snaps, made six tackles. All six tackles, according to PFF, constituted a loss or a stop for the Steelers' offense. So Shelby Harris was an excellent signing for the Cleveland Browns, and he is doing exactly what we brought him in here to do. All right, so I'm going a little bit longer today, but I just want to finish up here with some wide receiver tight end numbers. David Bell had his best game so far as a Cleveland Brown, but he played just 11 total snaps. Jordan Aikens only played nine snaps compared to Harrison Bryant's 26. That's something I really don't understand is the utilization between Jordan Aikens and Harrison Bryant. I do not think Harrison Bryant is as good of a tight end He's definitely not as good of a pass catcher as Jordan Aikens, so I don't understand why Aikens is playing so much less than Harrison Bryant. Um, Cedric Tillman played just nine snaps. Marquise Goodwin, just 15 snaps. Amari Cooper uh, caught seven passes on nine targets for 90 yards, but after Amari Cooper, there's, there's nothing in the passing game. Elijah Moore had eight targets, but he caught just three for 36. David Bell had three targets, caught all three for 27 yards. That was good to see for, from David Bell. That was encouraging. Donovan Peoples-Jones, where where are you? Just like the voicemail said, where are you? He had three targets. He caught just one for seven. You cannot do much on offense when your second best wide receiver, whether it's Moore or DPJ, is catching just three passes or just one pass for seven yards. Like That is not going to get the job done in an offense that is supposed to be opened up and more explosive. And uh, yes, I'm using air quotes for you listening on audio <laughs> if you can't see me. Let's talk about separation real quick. And this, these are numbers from week one from playerprofiler.com because they don't have the week two numbers up yet. But in week one, 
Elijah Moore, target separation was 2.29 yards. That's 19th best in the league. And Amari Cooper's target separation was 2.57 yards, which was ninth best in the league. So if you look at Moore and Cooper, they create separation. So when I'm seeing people say, you know, our wide receivers aren't creating separation, I don't buy that because these numbers show that at least, and and I can't even pull the numbers for the other guys because they're not getting targeted. They're not, our passing, our passing game sucks right now. It's, there's nothing much to talk about. So we're going to talk about Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore, and they are creating separation on their routes. Deshaun Watson's holding the ball too long. He's not trusting his eyes. He's not comfortable with what he's seeing. He doesn't look comfortable in the offense. That, to me, is the main issue. So let's just talk about a couple of these PFF grades. Amari Cooper against man coverage, 81.1, 74.5 against zone. Elijah Moore, just a 64.6 grade against man and just a 60.8 versus zone. David Bell's actually at a 75.1 versus man, but a 55.9 over or against zone. DPJ is pathetic, 51.2 versus man and a 50.2 versus zone. So our clear top receivers, Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore. And you take their, you know, their higher grades against man and zone, couple that with their target separation numbers, and these are two receivers that as the season progresses, as this offense continues to develop, as Deshaun Watson gets more comfortable, hope to God that happens. These I expect these two wide receivers to really start exploding for big games. They're they're getting open, they're performing well against their coverages, and I mean, Deshaun Watson's a good quarterback. He is. He is a good quarterback. He's just not playing like a good quarterback yet. And like I said, it's early. It's just going into week three here. And we've got a great opportunity in front of us. We've got the worst pass defense in the league. Coming into Cleveland, we're going to be at home. Hopefully it's a nice day. Hopefully the sun's out. It's warm. Hopefully it's not raining like it was in week one. I want to see a strong offensive performance. I want to take some of these numbers and just watch them explode for my stats show next week. And our offensive line needs to get their crap in gear. So as long as the defense continues to play well the way it has been, which I expect it to, and our offense can, man, even if our offense just plays average football, just don't turn the ball over, we're going to win this game going away very easily, in my opinion. So we will do our official preview show later this week. And that'll do it for the stats show for week two against the Steelers. Again, uh, just absolute disheartening loss. Brutal to lose Nick Chubb. But the season moves on. We are heading into week three at home against Tennessee. We will do our official preview show later this week. But until then, tell me what you guys think about these stats. Drop it in the comments here. Which ones are you encouraged about? Which stats concern you? What position groups, you know, look like they're they're headed in the right direction? Which ones need a lot of work? Are you concerned about the offensive line? Do you think the first two weeks they're just shaking some things out? What's going on? Let's talk about it. So like the video, subscribe to the channel, follow us on socials. And if you want to join our official dog pack community at jointhedogs.com, become an official dog pack member, join the discord. I mean, when we were watching the game the other night, everybody's in the discord talking, the entire community, we're just feeding off of each other. And, you know, if, if you want Browns fans to watch every single game with the, the dog pack is where to do it. So join the dogs.com, become a dog pack member get into the discord for the tennessee game this sunday 
Enjoy the rest of your week, guys. We'll come back to you with the preview show. And until then, come on, guys. Let's go Browns. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Dogs Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Twitter at The Dogs Podcast. Get your thoughts on the show at thedogspodcast.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.